Good morning. I have a word for you this morning. Today's word, today's sermon is entitled, Elevate Your Standards, Becoming an Unstoppable Standard Bearer. Becoming an Unstoppable Standard Bearer. We need to raise the standards in our lives. We need to uh, raise the standard because God has called us to do great things. Amen. So let me give you a text scripture for you to think about and some opening thoughts. The book of Philippians chapter three, verse um, 13 through 17, the apostle Paul writes this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things and if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Learn from those who follow our example. And in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, and, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Tony Robbins said this. He says, anytime you sincerely want to make a change, the first thing you must do is raise your standard. So Paul's saying, brothers and sisters, raise your, I'm raising my standard to be more like Christ. Follow after me. Raise your standard. He says, follow the pattern. Jesus is the prototype. There's forerunners is, uh, uh, establishing a pattern, blazing a trail. You know, in some of my studies, I realized this. In most cases, the level of our health, income, and I'm saying most cases, there are anomalies always. But in most cases, the level of our health, our income, and our relationships are a reflection of our standards, our networking connections, our habit our habits and our level, our core confidence, our level of deservingness, right? Don't worry, don't worry about, you, you have what you have to have. We must turn our shoulds into a must. So in most cases, the level of the health and income and relationships are a reflection of our standards. We must raise our standards raise our vision so the purpose of today's sermon as we embark in our, our journey to elevate our standards well is to embark on a journey to elevate our standards and to become unstoppable standard bearers right we just can't always look at prototypes we have to eventually become somebody's example so some questions i hope to answer today what does it mean to raise our standards what are some of the ideals of various philosophers who did Christ acknowledge as standards for us? How to ask God for vision and zeal because we get what we have to have. 
you don't get what you deserve sometimes. You get what you negotiate when it comes to the things of the world. How does Christ, and then how does Christ's finished work empower us to live victorious and impact the world? So here's some ideas from several philosophers. Many philosophers have sketched out visions of ideal man and woman that um, embody their philosophical beliefs zenith, right? The top of their beliefs. And I'm a nerd when it comes to philosophy. And so I'm gonna share some, some of the prototypes, right? And none of them stand up to Jesus, but they're, they're, they're thought provoking, they're prompts. They give us language. Plato, his ideal man was the philosopher king. And he believed society was uh, divided into three people, three sets of people, the producers, who are like their base desires, the needs, the food, right? Um, like kind of like food and clothes. These are people who produce that. There's the auxiliary, the people with, with, with um, courage and soul and spirit, thumos, right? The military. And there was the guardians, the leadership, right? And the leadership couldn't make money, right? And so the philosophy king uh, in Plato's mind possesses deep wisdom, a sense of justice and knowledge of the form, right? The ideal, the form of the good. And they were chosen from the guardian class. It was set apart to be leaders, right? And they couldn't be rich. They couldn't own property. And they had rigorous education, equipped with governance skills and understanding of eternal ideals. And that was Plato's, right? Plato was like the philosopher king. Then Aristotle talked about the great souled man and the achievement of Eudaimia, demonia, which is to be and do well a state of flourishing, excellence in virtue, health, wealth, beauty, friendship, speaking, right? And, and, and to, um, to, to, to rise up with flourishing. Then Nietzsche talked about the Ubermensch or the Superman, and it was a spiritual goal. And he was talking about energy, risk-taking, creating personal value systems, purpose. Confucius ideal man was the gentleman, cultivation of proper social conduct and virtual respect for elders and teachers, humanities towards others. Um, then there's the Stoics. Um, they believe in a tranquil life, free of external disturbances, the recognition of external factors beyond our control, the locus of control, and focusing on internal qualities for happiness. Then there was Albert Camus, right? He talked about uh, the absurdism and, and imagine Sisyphus, the man climbing a mountain with the rock, imagine him happy. Right, and he confronts the absurdity of existence with defiance, and he talks about uh, uh, embracing meaningless. Then it was Soren Kierkegaard. He was like more Christian, and he talked about the night of faith. Right, and he talked about like Abraham's willingness to sacrifice and travel and go through his hero's journey. And he talked about maintaining unwavering belief and sacrifice, belief in the power of faith and the infinite. Then is one of my favorite uh, philosophers. He's a Catholic philosopher named Peter Kreeft. In his book, The Three Philosophies, he speaks about the, th um, the three greatest works of philosophy is Ecclesiastes, the book of Job, and Song of Solomon. And he talks about in this book, we, we realize in Ecclesiastes that life is vanity. In Job, life is suffering. But in Song of Solomon, we realize that the ideal life is a life of love, a love that receives God's love that's vertical, that loves God, and with that vertical love, um, because spirit spilled and has horizontal love for humanity, right? So these are some of the ideals of philosophies. We're, we're seven, minutes, seven minutes in, and you, you're learning about what Paul said, uh, Tony Robbins, Plato, Peter Kreef, and we're seven minutes in, fam. 
So the power of standards and, and, um, and exemplars. Um, so in role models and prototypes, they ignite our mirror, mirror neurons to imitate, inspiring us to imitate their excellence and push our boundaries. Many of you guys are well-read. You already know about the four-minute mile, how once somebody, Roger Bannister broke, or the five-minute mile, once he broke that, um, everybody started breaking, right? And we need living examples to challenge us, to raise our standards. Echoing Paul's call to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Set your life up that someone can imitate you. We saw the ideals from philosophy, but it doesn't end there. As we explore these ideals, we also have to learn that we have to walk in the authority that Christ has granted us. Our lives serves, serves as a living witness of Christ's transform, transformational power, making us more than just conquerors. We're called to share this victory with everybody around us, right? We're called to rest in Christ's finished work, declare his promises, being trophies of his grace, engaging our community, and living life with unwavering faith and having going from glory to glory, victory to victory, even if they're small steps. You know about Proverbs 31 women, but did you know her husband was the man of the gate? He was also a leader. And I'm believing God that God's gonna raise up men of the gate, men who are leaders in their jobs, leaders in their communities, leaders in their families, and Proverbs 31 women uh, in this church who have multiple streams of income influence so let's talk let's look at some people jesus showed us as prototypes let's look at emulating john the baptist matthew chapter 11 verse 11 and 12 says jesus says i tell you the truth of all who have lived none is greater than john the baptist boom boom john the baptist was the first one to praise jesus when he was in the womb i tell you the truth of all who ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from time, from the time of John the Baptist began, began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. So what's two things we see in John's life as an example for me and you to raise our standards? Authenticity. John just wore like animals' clothes. He ate honey and locusts. John lived radically, unswayed by worldly expectations, but people still flocked to him. He didn't chase the world. The world chased him as he chased God. I'm praying right now that someone here is watching and that may God anoint you to be authentic to how God made you as you become more like Christ. Another thing we can learn from John, boldness. He fearlessly spoke the truth, even to those in power. He spoke truth to power, to those in power. Boldness. Authenticity, boldness. A.B. John the Baptist. Jesus recognized the faith. Let's look at the centurion's example. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. A Roman officer. The ops came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus says, I will come and heal him. 
But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go. Come and they come. And if I say to, to, to my slaves, do this, they do it. But when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to those who were following him and said, I'll tell you the truth. I tell you, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many, and this, this man opened the paradigm of the New Testament. Right? I mean, it was going to happen anyway, but he was one of the catalysts, right? He goes, I tell you the truth that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the East and West, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of God. But many Israelites, for those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown out into outer darkness, and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. So what's two lessons we can learn from the centurion? I would say authority, being under authority. I didn't add that. But now reading this in this climate right now, uh, authority, being under authority. We also learn humble faith. The centurion's humility and faith moved Jesus and trust. He believed in Jesus' authority and demonstrating unwavering trust. We're almost finished, fam. Let's look at standing up for the kingdom. Stephen's legacy. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 60. When the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, they shook their fist at him at rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God when he saw Jesus standing. Everybody talks about Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. But look what he says here. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in a place of honor at God's right hand. And when they put their hands over the ears and began shouting, they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid it at the feet of the young man named Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle. And they stoned him, and Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. So let's look at this exemplary um, man of faith. We see here courage. He displayed courage in the face of adversity. We see here radical forgiveness. Even in martyrdom, he forgave his persecutors. So if you want to remember this, use the like acronym craft B. <laughs> I couldn't even find another word. Um, and so it's courage, forgiveness, authentic, authenticity, faith, trust, and boldness. Courage. So as we raise our standards, I want to drop these words, these seeds in your heart. Courage. Forgiveness. We don't forgive for them. We forgive for us. Forgiveness, authenticity, faith, trust, and boldness. From John, we learn authenticity and boldness. From the centurion, we learn humble faith and trust. And um, 
from Stephen, we learn courage and forgiveness. So elevating our standards. Emulate John's authenticity and boldness, the centurion's faith and trust, Stephen's courage and forgiveness, and through the power of Christ's finished work, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, transformation will be realized. We have to rest in his victory, embrace a higher vision, empowered by the Holy Spirit to become unstoppable standing bearers for his glory, right? So when you talk about Christ's finished work, consider it a complex puzzle that you couldn't solve on your own. Jesus acts as the superhero that finishes the puzzle, the final piece, making us eternal friends with God. And this process fuels our growth, similar to advancing us in a game, right? So when you say rest in his work, just realize that it's not about, um, it's realizing that the Holy Spirit is already inside of you. The spirit of Jesus is in you. We just have to uh, endure the process to stay on the potter's wheel so he can shape and mold our mindsets, heal our hearts, give us a fresh vision, a powerful prophetic perspective to align our lives with our eternal purpose. And this takes time. It's the now and not yet aspect of our spiritual growth. So the too long didn't read, right? Striving for excellence means imitating role models like John, the Roman centurion, and Stephen. We're not mere survivors, but we walk in Christ's victory and share his transform transformation power. Our challenge is to elevate our standards, embrace challenge, and ignite change around us. Remember, as we journey onward, remember Jesus Christ's finished work empowers us to rise above guided by the Holy Spirit and driven by purpose, we can begin to not only raise our standard, but be standard bearers for those around us that we can model, right? We, it's like running the, walking the runway of life, wearing the armor of God, being that salt and light so we can attract more people into the kingdom of God and we could repel demonic influence and attack. In the name of Jesus. So as we pray, let's pray out. Heavenly Father, we thank you for guiding us on this journey. May we walk in the authority of Christ's victory, shining his light and impacting our lives. Help us raise our standard. We're not liars. We're not cheaters. We're not bums. We're not uh, just addicts and, and poor people, Lord God. We are called to be transformed. We are called to be on a potter's wheel, to be shaped. We are God's workmanship created for good works. We're grateful for Jesus Christ, for our salvation, for the will of the Father to bring glory of the Son. And we're grateful for the Holy Spirit's presence and the community and the church we share. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. So so today, hopefully we learned, we explored some philosophy of ideals, right? We need to raise, I don't care if you're 